1: Welcome to Across the Pond WNBA Podcast, part of the Across the Pond Sports Network. Don't forget to check us out on social media and on our website, atpsports.net. Now over to your hosts of Across the Pond WNBA Podcast, Michelle Snow and James Scott. Okay, welcome back to Across the Pond WNBA Podcast with myself, James, and Michelle Snow out in the States. Michelle, good week of WNBA basketball. Always. Always. <laughs> some really exciting games we'll get straight into the games themselves so you and i picked similar games last week i took the tuesday liberty aces game took the the thursday version i took the tuesday one because i thought it'd be a really interesting matchup now things changed slightly over the weekend any escu ended up with an ankle injury didn't play on tuesday at all she was on the bench she was going to support her team but someone on the the Aces team just exploded. And I was, she came out of nowhere. Uh, Kelsey Plum, she just went mental, came in off the bench. And for me, she changed the game. The Aces were kind of just kind of mulling around for a while. And then all of a sudden Kelsey came in and she just brought so much energy. And she, oh, and one thing I noted was like the entire game, she had this brilliant, bright smile. On her face the entire time, like she was loving it, and her team just got behind her and just supported her and really helped her as well. I mean, she scored thirty-two points and she had like a bunch of rebounds. She's like the shortest player on the court, and like she was rebounding, like
2: she was six foot ten. I mean, they get, yeah. I mean, Kelsey has a ton of heart. What can you say? How can you not get behind a player that comes out and plays that hard, that just shows a ton of energy? It's easy for that to flow not just through your teammates, but through the arena. And it creates an atmosphere where you forget about being tired. You you become lost in the moment. And that's what she did. It's a very vital uh, piece of every championship team. You always have that player on every championship team that can do that and ignite teams that sets them up to look really good running down the line at the end of the season.
1: Yeah. It gives so much depth when you can have a player that just comes off the bench and just brings energy. And that's, that's what she did. And I loved watching her play, and like I say, she just looked so happy and, and like just enjoyed the performance. Uh, she, had, I mean, that thirty-two points was her career high. She had five rebounds, and two of them were offensive rebounds. And for someone her size, getting in there and getting offensive rebounds isn't easy. So she she went to the line with confidence, and she had an amazing game. And it was great to see Asia Wilson everyone get behind her and like really kind of support her. And Every play that she had, it was, there was like taps on the back. There was kind of let's go, big high fives. And it just seemed like they were ready to go. And New York, they started really well. The first half for them was really, really strong. And it wasn't until Kelsey came in in the third quarter that she really took over. But up until that point, New York were just kind of cruising. And then it's almost as if they weren't ready for Kelsey to come into the floor. And they just they just folded because they'd been up by like 10, 15 at one point. So they they really kind of took the foot off the gas and
2: they just couldn't get back into it. I agree. Honestly, I don't know if they took their foot off the pedal for a moment or you know their foot off the neck. But at the end of the day, it's always good to lose one too. At, when, at the end of the week, it, it refocuses the team, reminds them that you have to keep that killer mentality in order to win. And sometimes that loss is what's needed in order to do that.
1: Yeah. Well, let's move along to your Thursday game. You said it, you, you picked this game because you thought whoever loses on the Tuesday is going to come out guns blazing on yes. a Thursday.
2: Yes, I did. I did. I was like, you know, it was interesting because there were a couple of things that I noted. One, it was like you just said, they're coming out and they're cruising a little bit and they're not attacking Or maybe it's also a defensive effort by the Aces as well. You have to give them their credit there because you got Liz Cambage and they're shutting the paint completely down, playing out of her mind this year. But also when you look at the scoring, I go, you know, the Aces had six players in double figures, well-rounded. It's hard to stop a team where anyone can just explode at any given night. Like you said, I think Bill Lambert is doing a great job of putting people into positions to explode on any given night and making sure they all understand, like, listen, if the opportunity is there for you, I want you to know I have the confidence in you to take this game over. That allows Asia, Liz, and Kelsey, and Chelsea Gray to really feel comfortable in their roles. And they're not trying to force anything. They're just taking what comes to them. If you're going to leave Kelsey, then she's going to explode and take over this game. But I will will say this, I was surprised to see a 22-point difference in that game I was shocked because I was like okay you know it's a bit of a slow start you know they kind of the aces came out of the gates jumped on them and in the first quarter you know 15 to 22 so you know going into halftime I'm like okay second quarter should be better they're going to step up and respond and the aces just came out and they had a step on your neck mentality and just exploded for 33 points in the second quarter and just took the game over and they were consistent throughout the entire game scoring almost around you know 22 33 25 23 points and ended the game with 103 points. So I was like man this is a team that can put up points anyone can score and it's going to be difficult for teams to scout that because it's not like you're stopping one or two big name players you got to stop everyone on the floor.
1: This is a loaded Vegas team. It just looks Fair. loaded. They they're scoring by committee. Which is, is the way that it looks. We did see Eniescu, uh, come coming off the bench mm-hmm. for 15 minutes. She didn't really make an impact, sadly. But then I think when you're coming back from injury, that's probably to be expected. But her team didn't really, didn't really step up in either game because I, I don't know what it is, but some players just seem. I don't know if it's almost that they've started to rely on on Sabrina so much. Mm -hmm. that they've kind of forgot, oh, hang on, if Sabrina's not here, we kind of have
2: to do some stuff. And you're right, because the mindset, I know, for me coming into the league, it was as soon as the door of opportunity opens, I'm going to knock it off the hinges. And it's like you're waiting to see, okay, who's going to take this opportunity to say, I can take some of this load off. I want to be one of the big three. And I think it also forces them to sit down as individual players and as a coaching staff to say, who is that person going to be? because we need more people that are able to step up in those situations. Whose confidence should we build um, and put them in those positions to kind of be more successful when we lose one of our um, top tier players. And Sabrina is a huge component on that team, a very big component.
1: And I have to say, Bill Lambier looks as intense as a coach, even when they're winning, as he did as a player. Like I was, like they cut to him a couple yeah. of times in both games. And oh my God, I wouldn't have liked to on the end of one of his rants I have to say I I thought both games were really good for for different reasons the first game Mm -hmm. I think was good because we seen Kelsey just explode the second game I just like you said I think we just seen a Vegas team that is that is just so cohesive and so driven that they just they were unstoppable in that second game I I think the first game they did they took a it took them a while to get into the game and it just took mm-hmm. the energy burst from Kelsey. So two great games last week. I think the the WNBA, I think would be proud of putting those two games out because they were just superior, really, really, really good games, great shooting, great defense. Liz, like you said, she is just so good in defense. And you know what I noticed actually, just, just in that first game was she wasn't in the on offense. She wouldn't be in the middle. Like where you would expect her to be, she would she'd be hanging around the three point line, and that just took the 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 liberties bigs out, and it just forced everyone else to kind of drop in, and they didn't the liberty didn't do that well enough uh, for me, and I think the the aces defense that zone defense, I'm gonna be honest, I'm not a fan of zone defense, but they actually play it really really well and really, really smart. Whatever it takes. So, them. so yeah. Whatever it takes. And yeah, they did that. And uh, it was pretty good. So we're going to move along from from those games. Now, this week, Skylar Diggins-Smith and Jasmine Jones had a bit of uh, a spat on Twitter. Don't see this too often, from the WNBA players but yeah if we've it's been likened to an episode of keeping up with with the Kardashians <laughs> so it all started with New York Liberty's Jasmine Jones came for po- came upon a team hyping Skylar uh, for putting Jones teammate uh, Richards on skates over the weekend and it just kind of exploded kind of out of that
2: yeah I mean it's emotions I mean, you always want to hype your teammates. That's just, just part of the game, it's part of the cohesion that you want to see on your teams. I also saw something a lot deeper, is there were just underlying issues that really didn't have anything to do with the two of them that had to do with the marketing, the media of the WNBA as a whole and making sure that there are more highlights available and that we're not showing one part of the game, which can skew your perspective and not show, okay, well, you you may have done this part, but this team still won the game. I think on the men's side, you get to see more of that. And on the women's side, you know, the highlight may be score line at the bottom, which can be misleading. You may see that game against, you know, the Aces that last week and just say, oh, okay, well, this game was a blowout. When they're competing and it's a fun, it's a great game, I think there needs to be more in-depth coverage across the board think Bleacher Report is doing a better job of that, ESPN, they're trying to do more and more to support that, then the players are not sitting there, you're vying, because it's almost like you're competing with your teammate to be one of those top tier players so that you can get the exposure, the endorsements, which leads to a longer career. So there are some underlying issues there where, you know, it creates that uh, competitiveness within the team, and maybe it's not always the healthy competitiveness that you want
1: yeah i think the media the espn's the bleacher reports you know they they have a responsibility i mean i remember a couple of years back uh, i was watching pti and they were talking about women's soccer and instead of showing like some great highlights or something they're showing two players going at it and you're kind of like well hang on this isn't a great representation of of that league of that sport i think this is a little bit of what this was as well maybe not I mean, that was quite physical. This has just been kind of words, so it's not as bad. But yeah, I think you're right. I think organizations across the board and the media have to be more responsible. And I think you're right. I think there has to be better highlights. I I do notice that on even on WNBA League Pass, you don't get highlights. You either have to watch the full game on demand or, or live, and that's it. Whereas the NBA League Pass and NFL and NHL, yeah. you, get, you can go in and just click highlights and you just get highlights of the game. So I, I think the WNBA also need to do a better job with their own marketing, like you said, as well. So it will be interesting when the two teams come to meet <laughs> later on. but that, So that, that could be fun as well. One player that's come back this week, she kind of came back with a bang, uh, was Candice Parker. How good was it to see her back on the floor?
2: Oh, man, it's always good. Come on. I mean, CP is one of the the best in the game, represents the game well, herself well, and and female athletes. Like She's doing so much. To see her back on the court in her hometown, I think that's going to be the best part is you just want her to have that fairytale ending where she brings one back home to her city. She's representing male, female athletes this year wearing the throwback jerseys. She's doing a lot of different things to kind of put the spotlight on the league. And she's using her her platform and she's actually becoming the stage so that others can be seen. I think that's the most beautiful thing you can do within sports is to make sure that you continue that legacy of sports for the next generation. And she's probably one of the premier athletes doing that.
1: Yeah. I mean, she her, her first came back. She showed a bit of rust and, you know, when Always. you get out, out for a while, that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But boy, did she shake that off quick. She had a double-double against the Fever. So <laughs> it was just a, a, a bit quick flash of you know, getting back into it. And then mm-hmm. now she's off and running. And like you say, she's a player that I've always looked to. Like if there's games on or anything. And I'm actually really glad she's not in LA anymore. And I'm glad that she's in Chicago. Oh, I, yeah. think it, I think that game kind of suits her better. And she can kind of go in and she can boss Chicago. You know, a while since Chicago have had a good team. So it is good to see her and she, you know what she's like she looks so comfortable like i know mm-hmm. she's been with the team and she's although she's been injured she's been with them and she's going to through some tough times because they've not really been winning all that much without her but like she came back in and
2: she it was it just seemed so natural that she was there i mean like you say at first when you're coming back off an injury there's going to be a little bit of rust to trying to get back into it you're testing that injury too Because now you're in full speed going against someone. And the one thing I know is she's one of the hardest working players. So I'm sure she was doing workouts, testing that out and making sure she was 100 percent before she stepped back on the court. But there's other components that people don't realize. It's just not being at 100 percent, but it's the mental aspect of knowing that you now have to go full speed after an injury. Am I okay? Am I 100 percent? To see her come out and not only get in the game and play, but to, like you said, dominate, put up a double-double, a strong double-double, um, and help her team, it, it has to be good for the coaching staff, the fans, everyone around, because they get to see greatness right there in their hometown. And you're right. Chicago has been missing that for a while.
1: And, you know, she's a two-time WNBA MVP, easy yeah. for me to say. So, like, she is one of the most talented players out there. So it must be such a big morale boost just to even mm-hmm. have her there and now to have her on the floor is is even bigger so obviously i think we'll see some big things from chicago moving forward and what we'll do is we'll take a quick break and then when we come back we're going to do a new segment uh, which we'll do every week we'll do player spotlight and this week at the spotlight will be on Candace Parker oh okay, yeah welcome back so every week we're going to spotlight put the spotlight on a player this week we're going to go with two time mvp Candace Parker. Candace Parker was born in St. Louis, Missouri, and is 6 foot 4. Played in the WNBA since 2008 when she was picked first overall by the Los Angeles Sparks. Still obviously plays in the WNBA uh, for the Chicago Sky where she moved to this season. But Michelle, she also played a massive part in Europe and Russia and um, and she's just had a big
2: international career not just in the WNBA. Absolutely. I mean, I'll be honest, you got to take it all the way back to Tennessee. She won two national championships there. Then you take it to the WNBA championship, two times MVP. You take it over to Europe and it gets even crazier. Five times national uh, champion, league champs in Russia, four-time Cup. It's an amazing stat line that she's carrying. And the best part is she's not done. It's like, what's next? And then just when you think, you know, she's having a great career, everything's great. She takes on the challenge and goes to Chicago and says, I'm going to come here into a a franchise where they're not necessarily winning or known for winning. And I want to make everyone around me better. And I get to do it in front of my hometown while representing everyone who made me who I am. All those past players, men and women, you get to see her doing that. I go, man, what is she not doing? And then she wants to turn around and and be on TNT commentating. (laughs) Like it's amazing. Yeah.
1: It's amazing that she's kind of, she's turned into someone who can just turn her hand to anything, like anything she seems to set her mind to. Um, one thing you left out is she's also a two-time gold medalist at the Olympics. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, both in Beijing and in London. So she's she's been there as well. And just when you go through the accolades that she has, the, the championship in the WNBA, the finals MVP, the two-time mm-hmm. MVP, 2008 and 2013, and then you go through the european stuff and the russia like five time russian champ six time uh, four time russian cup winner she's won the euro league and like you said she had her two championships in the in, in tennessee for for me like someone like that just comes across as someone that has a work ethic that like obviously there's quite a big off season when it comes to WNBA. Mm-hmm. so she and i follow her on her instagram um, and at the end of the last season First thing i seen when the season was over for her, she was on a plane, she was abroad. She was yes. working. That shows to me that that is someone that wants to work and has a great
2: work ethic. Absolutely. And for most women athletes in the WNBA, that's the reality. Like they're getting on their plane and they're getting to their overseas teams and to see how well they do that. The mindset, the resilience, the grit that they have. And they're playing year round you get maybe a couple of days off between those two seasons. Maybe if your team doesn't play on Christmas, which most sports teams do, you might get to come home for Christmas. It's amazing to see how hard they work and the sacrifice that they make in order to make sure their careers are great and to make sure they take care of their families.
1: And I think that's that's something that like, I've never really appreciated until the last couple of years. As much as you see these players on Instagram and stuff go off abroad, it's the reality of actually being away from home and being in a different country as well. Not maybe knowing the language. I mean, I know my Russian's pretty poor, not as bad as my English right enough, but so it's that. And it's like different food, different, like everything's different. It's like worlds apart. And Candice is one of these players that has been around everywhere. She is now in Chicago. And one of the great quotes that I, I love, I love this quote to my teammates, my new organization, and my new fans I'm home and I was like I don't know why but I was like wanted to drop the mic moment but it was the but the way she did the way she kind of says it is it was almost like if anyone, I'm a geek so I watched Iron Man but if you watch like the end of the first Iron Man when he says I am Iron Man it was almost like that kind of that kind of mic drop and like, like whoa
2: it had that kind of impact she knew the gravity of that decision. It wasn't an easy decision. It wasn't going to be a cakewalk to go home and, and you know, try to deliver a, a championship. And she took that on with pride. And I love it. I go, this is what you want to see within sports. This is what makes you fall in love with players and go, I want to see this person succeed.
1: 100%. Absolutely love her. I think she's going to have a great year. Oh, yeah. Now that she's she's back on the floor. Back Because, I mean, she was that's another thing i think i spoke about earlier with sabrina and the liberty like she was there she was on the bench she's supporting her team even though she's not playing at uh, candace there was a couple of times when chicago doing quite well she's like bouncing up and down and, and jumping and cheering and and that's what you want especially from someone who's a leader like when you're mm-hmm. on the floor and you see your leader who's injured who's out with whatever and you see them hyped up and like jumping up and down and supporting you, that kind of gives you inside like a, a confidence boost as well. So I really can't wait to see what she's going to do this year. She has had a crazy career. She's been all over the world playing basketball, and I'm sure it's not going to stop anytime soon. Um, and long may it continue. So that is our kind of spotlight player for, for our first one, Candice Parker. What we'll do now is we'll take a quick look at the WNBA standings. The WNBA standings have not really changed a whole lot. It's, it's been kind of weird for a number of reasons. Uh, the Seattle Storm just keep winning, which is great to have. But Vegas picking up those two wins over New York uh, really kind of stretch them out ahead of the Suns and the Liberty as well. Has there been any kind of big changes in the, in the standings for you? Or any kind of shocks
2: over the last week? No, I think you hit it right on the head. It's, a, it's about the same as what we expected. As the season goes on, looking at the Olympic break that's going to happen for two weeks, I think that'll be interesting to see how people come back from that break. Like, do they come back and the, the Aces, do they still have that killer mentality? You know, the players that have to go and play in the Olympics and come back, they don't get a break. Now, how does that carry on over into the second half of the season? It'll be interesting because everyone will not respond the same way. So that'll be the best part of watching the second half of the the, uh, WNBA season. And that's the thing,
1: like the watching an Olympics and going to the Olympics is very special. Uh, But for the WNBA, it it is quite tough because it happens slap bang in the middle of the season. So it, it is tough for those players. But I suppose if you're a player sitting at home, you're not involved in a, an Olympic team, whether that be the USA or, or any other, but you are kind of sitting at home, just kind of chilled out. And I think as a player, would you sit, would you watch the Olympic games oh, in terms of the, the basketball, or would you just kind of like just want to switch off for two weeks?
2: Well, for me personally, I want to watch. And we, we're, if you're in the middle of your season and you're chilling and you're not working out, you don't have it, you don't have what it takes. You should be still working out even if... That's why you're not in the Olympics. Yeah, You know, like you want to go, you still want to stay fresh because it takes two weeks to get out of shape. So most teams are going to have some type of workout that you're doing, um, whether that's together as a team or individually, because you don't want to come back and have that rust leading into the second half of your season. And then you have players, it's 144 spots. These young ladies are hungry. And then they're watching the best of the best out of that 144 challenge and go into the Olympics to bring home that gold medal. You get to see another level of Hungary and your top tier players playing against the best players in the world. So I'm sure most players are definitely watching. I mean, we love the game. So you're going to watch.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely going to be watching. I'm looking forward to it. The time difference is going to be a killer, but it's fine. I'll I'll live with it. But yeah, I look, I always look forward to the Olympics because the Olympics were like my, was like the first time I actually seen basketball being played properly. So uh, the Olympics is pretty special for me. I enjoy it. Talking about the Olympics, then,
2: what are the the expectations for the USA? Oh, come on now. There's only one expectation when you think about, (laughs) you know, and uh, whether it's men or women, the expectation is the gold. period. Silver is not going to cut it. Bronze is not going to cut it. We are promoted. We play. We take on that label of being the best. So there's a bit of pride that comes with that too as Americans. So we want to bring home the gold. And I know the women are definitely, that is the only thing they're thinking about is how do we jail as a team, come together within a short period of time and figure out how to stop other top teams so that we can bring this gold home for our country.
1: And that's, that's probably what's quite difficult as well because they're in the middle of their season. So I suppose, well, maybe in that respect, you know, they're fit and they're ready to go. They're warmed up. They've not, they're not in their off season, but at the same time, it is that kind of, hang on, I was against you last week in New York and now I'm with you in Tokyo. That that must be, that must be a bit strange.
2: I don't think so. I mean, when I was playing and trying out for the Olympic team, the one thing you realized was you respect all these players. They're going above and beyond, working just as hard as you. They have that same mentality and mindset. So when you see people who embody that, you want to see them do well. You want to help them do well. And you forge friendships. I mean, there are some people, you know, some fans will think y'all are the biggest enemies. And sometimes that's the case. But most of the time, there's a level of respect there where you really just want to see each other succeed. And at the end of the day, I want to win. So we're going to team up and we're going to do whatever it takes in order to do that. The competitive nature, the pride of representing your country, all of that should take precedence over anything else. And that's when you know that you have that leadership mentality and that mindset to be a winner. Because I don't care if you're in the corporate world or on the on the basketball court, there's always people that you don't necessarily get along with, but if you want to be successful, you better figure it out.
1: I think that's that's pretty much hitting the, the nail on the head. I think living in a, in a world that we do, and, and whether that be in the workplace or the basketball court or whatever everyone's pulling the, the same way and that's what you need to win. And that's what you're going to need to win a gold medal. So because there have been teams that have went to the Olympics and not won the gold medal because they didn't. Exactly. Steve Francis. So. I uh, <laughs>
2: do now. You got to leave him alone.
1: But no, I think the, the Olympics is, is very special. It does only happen every four years or five in this, in this case uh, because of the pandemic. So, I think for one, you're probably just looking forward to it, just kind of happening, getting there, and, and see what it's going to be like in in Japan. Because I think I think restrictions will be quite tight, not like in past when you could kind of just mull around the the, the village and stuff. So it, it will be tough, but I think
2: we'll see some good good action on the court, and that's what we're looking for. It will be very tough. The bubble kind of gave them a warm up to what that's going to be like. So, you know what I mean? They they have a little bit of knowledge as far as what to expect. And then at the end of the day, it, like I said, you want that goal. How bad do you want it? And are you willing to make some sacrifices in order to get it? And this is the biggest uh, component. You're talking about the Olympics. The game of basketball is and out across the board worldwide there's no guarantee that that dominance is going to stay there because these teams are getting better and better and better every single Olympic trial. You want to go in there and say, this is my opportunity. I'm here now. There's no guarantee that I'll be on the team next time. I got to take advantage, full advantage of this. I'm not interested in walking around the village. I want to win. I'm going to make sure I'm well-rested. My nutrition is on point and that I'm ready when my team calls on me.
1: No, I I totally get that. And I think, like I say, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it starting to I'm a fan of the Olympics. So hopefully GB, I think GB are, are in there somewhere. So maybe they'll show up and play some games. But uh, nah, very much looking forward to the Olympics and obviously the rest of the WNBA up until then. Uh, before we continue, we'll take a quick break and we will talk about All-Star because that got announced this week. And then we've got a few things to close up with right after this. Okay, welcome back. So, Michelle, All-Star. You are a two-time All-Star yourself. Future Hall of Famer. I'm just going to start putting that out there. The All-Star game has been announced and is going to return July 14th with a bit of a spin. They're going to do a Team USA. That's against everyone else. That's, you know, we've got the Olympics this year. And do you think this is them just trying to say, you know what, we're going to put our brightest and best up against the brightest and best of the rest of the world. And if we can beat the rest of the world, we can pretty
2: much win the Olympics. Yes, and it's fun because the fans get to see a preview of the Olympic team. The Olympic team gets another practice game that is gonna be more like the Olympics. So it gives them a chance to really test out their plays, things that they wanna run and you know, try different schemes. And for the WNBA players, come on, that's a dream game right there to play against the Olympic team as well. Who wouldn't want to do that? And the fans just get to come in and participate, and it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Because normally in an Olympic year, because of the Olympics, the WNBA wouldn't have an all-star game. But I think the thinking was this year, after last year and pandemics and everything else, like you say, I think we need to have fun. And I think all-star games are always fun. There's always a good energy. There's always people larking around. And, you know, it's the fun stuff. And you get to see players a bit more relaxed because they're not kind of in game, in game, in game. So, and like 100%, well, they will be focused, but, you know, they're, they're just a bit more relaxed. They're still obviously voting for players. So on that side of it, what if there's a player that just won't be near the Olympic team actually gets to the All-Star game. That might be a little bit strange.
2: I think it'd be good. Why not? It gives, I think it gives players an opportunity that are maybe, like we were talking about earlier, with the media coverage and the marketing, this gives that platform for players that are not top tier, that um, are maybe not the ones that you see on Center every night. This gives them an opportunity to shine. It allows the fans to be able to see different players as well and fall in love with those players, learn their stories, and see them on a big stage as well against the best of the best.
1: Now, the All-Star Game is going to be in Vegas at Mandalay Bay. I've been to Mandalay Bay in 2008 when I got married, and it was lovely. It's weird to think of playing a basketball game in a hotel, but hey (laughs) – it works because these hotels are absolutely giant the gold medal winning 1996 u.s women's basketball team are also going to be honored uh during the game so that's going to be a good highlight for for that day as well and looking forward to that for you as a a two-time all-star what is it like when you get that kind of nod
2: you're in it feels great because it's Almost as if you have the fans, the people that you're playing for for who say we appreciate your game. We want to see you in the all star game. So it's it's great for that. It's always amazing to take your family with you so that they can experience it. That's the best part for me is allowing them to get that exposure. And then the nod from the other players as well. Like it's still you're sitting in that locker room with the best of the best, maybe people that you won't get to play with during your career but it gives you that opportunity to play with them for a day and to be able to just see the different passes. I mean, oh, I remember watching the last one, and you see the dunk pass to Brittany Griner, you know, and that, that was fun. It's like watching different players get to play together. The same thing we say in the NBA. I wish I could see these players on the same team. So this is a day for the fans to kind of see that and experience it. I think the best part of this All-Star is to definitely acknowledge that 1996 Olympic team because I remember watching them I was a, a senior in uh, high school and watching them and saying, wow, they're a big part of why the WNBA came to fruition is people got to see just how good the women's, the women were and gave that opportunity. So I'm really glad they get to get their flowers at the all-star game in front of all of the fans during the 25th anniversary.
1: It's, it's pretty special. And I yeah. think, that is something that everyone will look forward to. Um, I think all-star weekends are usually brilliant anyway, but I think this one is just going to be that extra bit special. Right, so big thing happened in these states this week, Juneteenth. In the UK, we don't have it. It's, it's, it's never been a thing. Why is it so important?
2: I'll just say it's, it's like the Black 4th of July. Because, and I don't know if you know this, Joe Biden just passed it as a federal holiday as well. So that was in the fight to move forward. I think the story of Juneteenth is really interesting because it originated in Galveston, Texas, where it took two years for the slaves there to find out they were free, which is amazing. Because, and when you think about that, like, you know, no one wants to be enslaved in the first place, but to find out, you know, that everyone's free and now you're finding out, and to have that as a day where we commemorate the end of slavery in the United States. And so that's been celebrated by African-Americans since the late 1800s. And I think it should be celebrated as a country as well, because it's it's kind of a stain on our history. And the acknowledgement of that is a step in the right direction moving forward. So Saturday 19th of June is. Mm -hmm. So it started um, June 19th and 1865 was when the slaves in Galveston found out that they were actually free. Like you say, Joe Biden has just
1: made this a national holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think that's a really, really strong precedent to set as well. Um, and I think Idiot. it shows that America's moving forward. And it's after a few years of turmoil and uh, some ups and downs and stuff going on that, you know, you just don't want to see happening, especially things like what happened in the Capitol. This is a really positive step forward. Like I say, we, we don't have it in the States, I, sorry, in the UK, but I think from looking outside in, it, it's a really positive step forward and making it a federal holiday commemorates at the end of slavery is, is really important. And it's good that that gets to be observed and celebrated
2: because that's yes. what needs to happen. And I think it also creates exposure and it educates those who don't know what that day stands for. Because sometimes the history books, uh, certain things have been erased from the history books. So I think it also allows that to be corrected and for people to understand the true history and to recognize a very powerful and strong group of people who went through a lot to get to where they are and give them their day to shine, but also make sure that it falls forward to future generations, that they understand what it means. And I'm not talking about just African-Americans, Black and brown, but all as a whole. I think everyone should understand that story and it should be part of history.
1: Quite powerful. Um, I didn't know a whole lot about it because like I say, it's never been a thing in the UK, but uh, when I started looking into it, yeah, uh, you read some of the stories and yes. although yeah, the UK had slavery and um, it was obviously very mm-hmm. different kind of slavery, mm-hmm. but I think any kind of slavery now, um, I, I know the UK passed laws against slavery just a few years ago kind of outlawed it and everything else. And I think that's a good, good stance to take and it's good to, to bat that out because actually modern slavery still does happen um, around the world. So, um, mm-hmm. but I think the U S and Joe Biden and, and the U S government have have done a, taken a really good step forward. And I think that is going to make a difference. And yeah, it gives people their
2: day that they can celebrate. I think that's the important part. It is, and it moves forward. Like I said, the places where it still exists, it gives them something to hope for and to understand it's a process, but that things and steps are being taken to move things along. And it reminds us that at the end of the day, when, it, whether it's a pandemic or war or whatever, we all come together and everyone bleeds red and we all fight together and no person is less than any other person. And I think it's making sure that it's understood across the board.
1: Oh, wow. That's yeah, that's powerful. And yeah, I, I'm totally with you. Probably seems silly now to to move on to games for next week. I have to talk about that. But let's let's move on to, to next week and the games that we're we're looking out for. And we're gonna highlight. Uh, Michelle,
2: what is the game that you have for next week for us? Man, okay, I have two. Don't I know I'm supposed Ooh. to have one. But that Connecticut, that Chicago game. It's going to be good. I'm excited to see that matchup, especially with um, CP Candace being back. I think she's going to come out strong because, you know, Connecticut is leaving the, leading the conference. So that's going to be a challenge for someone that is very competitive and wants to see her team win. I'm excited about that one. Then you go over to the other side and you got the Aces in the Storm. I was like, man, this is going to be good. <laughs> so I think I got two great games that I'm going to watch and just see top-tier players battling it out. It's going to be fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, those two games are, are pretty big, uh, especially AC Storm, I think, top of the table. That is uh, going to be huge. I'm also going to pick up a Candace Parker game. Um, yeah. I'm going to take the uh, Sky against Liberty. anyescu uh, also back from injury. I think yes. she'll be up to speed uh, by that point. And I think having Candice Parker back fully fit and kind of warmed up, I think just adds so much for that. I think Van Sloot as well, I think she's really kind of coming to her own uh, in the last couple of weeks. I'm um, loving her work just now. On the flip side, Rebecca Allen for Liberty. I think, mm-hmm. although Liberty haven't really performed without Sabrina, I-, I think she's probably been, if there is a highlight within that team, she's been yeah. one of those. So great to have her back as well. But yeah, so I think we've got some amazing games to look forward to. Those are just three uh, of the games this week. They, they Obviously, the WNB have a, lot, a large slate of games. No games today here on Monday. But they will, as always. But uh, the rest of the week is just jam-packed with excellent matchups that we two, three of them that we've just mentioned. So we're looking very much forward to them. Anything else you're looking forward to
2: this week, Michelle? I want to see who who steps up on that Liberty team. Who wants it? I love seeing that player that comes and says it's an opportunity. I want to take it because although Sabrina's back. You still they already see depth is needed and it can help. You never know when injuries are plaguing everybody. Look at the NBA. So you want to make sure you have people ready to step up and, and run through that door of opportunity. I want to see who does it. Yeah, we see seen Kelsey Plum
1: do it this week. So who can do it next week? That will be awesome yes. to find out who that's gonna be. Uh, we will be back next week. So do join us next week. But thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Michelle.
2: All right, see you guys next week.
1: You've been listening to Across the Pond WNBA podcast. Please follow, rate, and review our podcast and check out atpsports.net to see the guests we have coming up and keep checking back to listen to our latest episodes.
0: Sports Social
2: Podcast Network.
0: 18 plus.